0: Good morning, big subject, holy spirit, uh, and you know I'm going to swap my glasses, I didn't choose these with the leopard print, uh, they just happen to fit from the dollar store, but anyways, uh, I'll put on these and now you guys look like stains on the tablecloth, I'll be honest with you, uh, so it's just blur so I can basically, if anybody gives me gritty looks and all that, I, I don't see it, so maybe save it for after if you want to complain to me, okay? But anyways, so uh, Holy Spirit, now uh, uh, Pastor John asked me, said, uh, how about handling Holy Spirit as helper? So that is a really, really, really meaty subject, and we could be here for six hours, which I won't, which I won't, okay, but uh, I want you to be prepared uh, to listen to what I believe God brought to me today uh, for you to hear concerning the Holy Spirit. So, uh, our first quote is from Charles Charles Spurgeon. Is anybody there familiar with Charles Spurgeon? Uh, almost every pastor in the world will quote him. I think he was at the beginning of the nineteen, at the end of 1800s, beginning of the 1900s, uh, kind of deal. And this is what he said about the Holy Spirit. He said, "With without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as sailboats without wind, or chariots without horses, like branches without sap. We are withered." Like coals without fire, we are useless as an offering without the sacrificial flame. We are unaccepted. There are many things that are desirable for the church of Christ, but one thing is absolutely necessary, and that is uh, the one thing, the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of his people. Now, I thought, you know what? There's a lot of kind of different uh, big words there, and I thought maybe I need to Texan that portion of that. And so I thought... You know what, I want to bring it to the people in, in our own language, our own Texan language. Uh, and, and so I kind of re some of what he said. So I said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are like trucks without tires. okay? Shotguns without shells, fields without crops, rattlesnakes without fangs, fishing poles without hooks, barbecues without brisket, and yeah, and get this, two-stepping cowboys without their britches on. We are useless. Okay, what a topic, Holy Spirit. So let me remind you of a few basics concerning the Holy Spirit, and I'm hoping that most of you know this already. But nonetheless, let's let's go through it. Number one, He is God. Okay, He is the third person of the Trinity, uh, and we're going to get a little bit more deeper into that, and it, as we go. Uh, number two, because He is God, He has always been present. The Bible says He's got no beginning. He's got no end. Uh, number three, when you see acts of power in the Old Testament and the uh, in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that was the Holy Spirit moving. That was Him behind the scenes. Okay, so in the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon people, okay, and dropped on them. So uh, some examples, maybe when Samson uh, killed the Philistines, it wasn't that he was a big it out dude it's it's the Holy Spirit filled him and gave him the power to overcome uh, it, it was also like David when he killed Goliath uh, it was also like when he killed the lion the Bible talks about when this prophet spoke prophecy to the people that was the Spirit of God speaking through okay so the Holy Spirit and and of course our Bible that right there is the Holy Spirit speaking through man to record his words now, in the New Testament, believers of Christ, so those who are receivers uh, of salvation, have the Holy Spirit dwell inside them. Okay, The Holy Spirit clears out all the old junk in our hearts okay, and takes up residence there. He, he does not allow anything else to come in there, to live there. If a demon comes to try and reside in us, uh, that's when Jesus basically gets to the door, the demon comes and gives him a bop in the mouth. Says, "Nope, not today." Kind of deal. Now, a Christian can be, can be possessed, but they can be oppressed, which means bothered. Okay, uh, they can be bugged, uh, but never possessed because the Holy Spirit now lives inside us, fills that gap. Now, even with Jesus or the, the Spirit of Jesus is is back and forth. They use the Spirit of Jesus and they use the Holy Spirit in the Bible, depending on what uh, translation you have. Living inside of us, we can receive even more power to do exploits, power to preach the gospel with fire and see results. That is when the Holy Spirit comes upon believers. Uh, The way I look at it is as what I've always I've often said. It's like uh, the faith bucket. I say that we're like a bucket, and the Bible says each man is appointed a portion of faith at salvation. So he gives him he gives him a portion of faith. You are now. Uh, you are now a believer, and throughout time, there's two ways in which that faith bucket can be filled. And so, one, we can read the Word and pray, and as we continue to do that and, and live out in God's will, we we add bits of faith to that bucket till it fills up and it spills out around everybody. And then there's times in which the Holy Spirit comes and fills that bucket so full it spills out in good deeds, in miraculous things. Etc., uh, etc., cetera, et cetera, things you might find in the New Testament church. Okay? So, now, this makes Jesus or the Holy Spirit the topic of uh, unending sermons. Let's just put it that way. But nonetheless, uh, now there are different ways in which uh, you will find the Holy Spirit manifesting. Uh, and when I say manifest, what I mean is how he shows himself, how he acts in our lives, uh, how he comes as the showstopper sometimes, or or the rescuer. Some people believe that all the gifts he gave the people of God in the New Testament, the early church, have ceased. I am not one of those people. Okay, Uh, Nothing in Scripture is evident saying that God has stopped gifting people with spiritual gifts, such as prophecy or tongues or healing. But... What is evident now in society is this uh, a lot of phony baloney okay, coming out of shysters who claim to have Holy Spirit gifts. Okay? Uh, you have no further than to do to look as to lean over to your TV, turn it on Sunday morning, and watch a number of televangelists who claim close contact with the Holy Spirit and yet act more like new age magicians like Simon Bar-Jesus in the New Testament uh, who tried to buy the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to be powerful and deceive the people and get money which to God is whether it's by Simon Bar-Jesus or whether it's people now doing that is despicable and it's the spirit of Antichrist. I'll just be straight up with you. Okay. So now whether people believe that God still gifts people with such gifts may be debated by people back and forth I don't know how it's in the Bible it's never changed but anyways but one thing that every Christian worth their salt agrees on is that the Holy Spirit is the helper of his children day in and day out when we pray and ask for help and get this even sometimes when we fail to ask his help the Holy Spirit is moving behind the scenes actively okay so let's leave that for two seconds As the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is initially introduced to us as a person in the Gospel of John in chapter 14, uh, verse 16. So John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Now, some may ask, why does God reveal the Holy Spirit as a person in the New Testament and not the Old? This is referred to in theology as a thing called progressive revelation. So what you see, if you were to read the Bible from the beginning to end, has anybody done that? Like straight from the beginning to the end? Okay, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. That's like I'm doing an auction here or something like that. Uh, So if you start at the very beginning in Genesis, you will be introduced to God as what? Creator. Creator. Then right in Genesis, it'll start to mention near the end about a Messiah. And then it'll go through into Isaiah and some of the major and minor prophets, and we will be introduced to what the Messiah will be like. We was some even physical traits of him. Now we come to the New Testament, and Jesus is introduced to us. Uh, Mashiach, Messiah. Yeah. Uh, so now we have the second person the Trinity now Jesus goes through the Gospels those 33 years Dies is rises from the dead and does he leave us alone? No. Nope. we are now introduced to the Holy Spirit who now fills the gap as Jesus has brought this you know has Brought the, uh, the power of God into the world uh, Through what he's done, but now the Holy Spirit will now come into the world and will dwell in us and so God uh, starts in one area introduces slowly progressively reveals himself and so that's why you find the Holy Spirit in uh, identified fully in the New Testament uh, but you can find things if understanding Hebrew you will see references made to him through the word Elohim in the Old Testament don't want to get too technical here but nonetheless so, anyway, so, God, so John 14 tells us the Holy Spirit is our helper. And some of you may ask, uh, how? Okay? And uh, this is, uh, I'll go into a little bit about the Trinity now, too. So now we, so he is the helper in the Trinity. And some people say, well, I don't understand the Trinity fully. I know I've, I, 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 my parents do and everything like that. So let me give you two examples of how to understand the Trinity. I call one the Trinity Orange. Okay, so I take an orange, I write, uh, I split it up in three pieces. I write on one portion, I write uh, the Father. I write on the other portion, uh, the Son, and the other portion, the Spirit. And I hand it to people. I say, "What do you got?" I say, "I got an orange." I got, I got some orange in my hand. Okay, what's the essence inside it? Uh, it's the flesh of the orange. Okay, and what does it say? It's the Father. Okay, good. So a second one. What do you have? I have the Spirit. Okay, what does it have? What's its essence? It's the flesh of the orange. Okay, good. And uh, the third person, I say, what do you have? I have I have orange, too. I have orange, too. Uh, and what's inside it? It's the flesh uh, of the orange, and it is all the same. So it, so it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all the same essence. Put them all together. They make one orange. They make God. Okay, so that's the simple version of trying to understand the uh, Trinity. Okay. But in the Trinity, uh, each Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have different jobs, okay? So uh, the Father's job is to direct. It doesn't take away from anybody else uh, in in the Trinity. They all have the same power, same essence, uh, and the Holy Spirit's job is to help and bring power on the earth through through, uh, Jesus' gift on the cross. Okay, so now I'm going to rewind a bit, okay, now that it's clear as mud, and I'm going to go back to, uh, as I mentioned, the Holy Spirit is always working behind the scenes. So some of you may say, how and what kind of evidence is there for this? I've prayed all these prayers, and sometimes, most times, it just doesn't happen. And, and how do I know that the Holy Spirit is there and, and he's, he's, uh, he's active in my life? Let me let you in on a little secret here, uh, 24-7, the Holy Spirit is saving your keisters. Okay? 24-7, he's saving your... Should I say it? Ars? Can I say that? I'm, I'm Canadian originally. I don't know if that's a good word. Or, okay, I won't say it. I won't say it. So you're behind. He's saving your behind 24-7. Now everybody's like, oh, gosh. Gosh, man. He's just. So let me just make this straight. Right out. Right out. Ready? The devil hates you. Okay? He hates you. He despises you. He wants to, 24-7, kill you in gruesome, torturous fashion. That's biblical. Okay? He hates your guts. He wants to see you fail. He wants to discourage you, but he wants to get you off this earth right away. Okay? Why? Because we are the bride of Christ. We are what the Bible talks about as the apple of God's eye. We are his, pos- his chosen possession. We, he, he is, it was good. We are his most beloved possession enough for him to step down and abdicate his throne in heaven temporarily, to live in a dust bowl in the Middle East for 33 years as a poor carpenter, and then and then to be spit on mocked beaten and then torturously crucified and he did it all for us So uh, this makes us to Satan. This makes us the absolutely most repulsive thing That he could ever see or hear about or whatever and so he hates every inch of us every adoration for Jesus, uh, for Jesus, he loathes this worshiping today. is like broken glass in his underpants. Okay, it's just terrible. He, he hates it, and he has nothing to lose by hating us because he's already it's already been decreed that uh, uh, he's judged and he will spend eternity in hell. If Satan had his way, this is how this is how your arse is, sorry this is how your hind ends are being saved. All the time is if he had his way right now, he would kill you all right now everyone man woman child You know chihuahua, whatever kind of deal. He would kill you right now And so what's actually happening right now how the Holy Spirit is working actively behind the scenes is He is staying his hand from killing you right now So if he was let loose he would just plow through here and everybody be dead, but the Holy Spirit 24 7 is staying his hand. And this is evident when you read in Job, where the devil actually has to come to the Father and say, I want to do this, and he's, no, 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 or only this, or anything like that. So he, so the Holy Spirit, whether you think your prayers are doing anything or not, the Holy Spirit is saving you all the time. So, the Holy Spirit is helping you constantly. I mean, for me, it makes myself ask this. How many trucks, after blowing through that stop sign, um five minutes previous to me getting there has God saved me from we don't know we don't know. but anyways this kind of Holy Spirit directed grace this help is happening 24 7 in your lives now how else does the Holy Spirit help us the Holy Spirit helps us to understand let's start off by talking about salvation how how do we get saved what has to happen to get saved let's 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 talk a little about salvation right here well no matter what your ideas on theology on salvation are or how the sovereignty of God works, whether you're uh, what they call an Arminian, uh, a provisionist, a Molinist, or a Calvinist, the gospel has to be preached to each person somehow in order for you to accept salvation. When the gospel is preached, it is with the help of the Holy Spirit that you understand what is being brought to you. It's a moment of clarity. Okay, He opens your eyes. Oh, Oh, this is salvation. Okay? And I believe that with the help of the Holy Spirit, you now have a decision to make follow Jesus or don't. Let's move on to sanctification. When you come to Jesus, you start a process of cleansing or becoming more like Jesus. None of us, none of us, none of us have it in ourselves to get this job done. Okay? We don't. If anything, without the Holy Spirit helping us, we are more prone to to go back, to slide back into our wicked lives uh, that were there before Jesus picked us up and dusted off, us off and cleansed us. And, okay, without the hope of the Holy Spirit, we'd for sure stay stagnant in our faith right now. You could, If the Holy Spirit wasn't here, you would stay absolutely stagnant. Maybe you'd accept Jesus, maybe you'd say I'm a Christian, but you know what you'd do? You would stay stagnant. So what does anybody know what happens to stagnant water if left alone? Okay? Right. If a if fresh source of water is not constantly coming into that water and cleansing it, aerating it, it gets stanky. Or, or as we say down here, it gets stanky. Okay? It gets mucky. And, and nasty things start to live in it. Okay? That's our lives. After Jesus saved, or if, if, if the Holy Spirit wasn't here, that would be our lives. Okay? If we don't keep cleaning our lives with the washing of the Word, reading Scripture and prayer, which the Holy Spirit works through, for even just little things, we become spiritually stinky and mucky and bad things start to be seen in our lives. Spiritual fungus starts to grow on us, but the Holy Spirit helps to sanctify us, starts cleansing us as we make our way to joining Him in heaven one day. Now, speaking of the Holy Spirit working to cleanse us up by the studying of the Word and the Bible, what good uh, would the Bible be to us if the Holy Spirit did not help us understand the words written in the Bible itself? Therefore, we know this about the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit helps bring me to revelation or understanding. John 14:26. I'll just read it here. But the Advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father sent, will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. How many of you have had aha moments in Scripture times? I'm reading. So you're in the Bible uh, reading it, and all of a sudden, that Scripture you read or you heard before, uh, maybe even rolled your eyes at in church, uh, you've heard it, you know what it means for you who are... Uh, Amateur scholars—you may even have looked it up in the concordances or something like that, or the commentaries online. Uh, but then one day, the understanding and what I would term revelation of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and all of a sudden, it's a deer in the headlights moment. It's the the Chinese gong beside the head. There's sirens blaring. The habanero peppers fire kicks in. Okay. And all of a sudden that scripture comes to light in a way that you go, oh my gosh, that's what it means. I know what that means. I know how I have to apply that in my life. If you've had that kind of moment, understand that that is the Holy Spirit bringing you to understand. He's teaching you. He's helping you. Similarly, sometimes the Holy Spirit pokes you. He wakes you up to something you Learn something, or the truth is revealed, and it's almost like a poke inside your head. It's like a boink. Some call it the sixth sense. It's a little too Hindu for me, and I'll be honest with you, but nonetheless, that's the Holy Spirit teaching you, revealing the truth. And truth be told, sometimes, okay, this this may may twist your, it may may rattle your noodle a bit here. Sometimes, the Holy Spirit will poke non-Christians as well. And, It's as an act of mercy or goodness meant to draw them towards Him because uh, He's teaching them that He's good. He's giving them a focal point uh, for the future to look back and say that God even helped me back then when I was an unrepentant sinner. Because The Bible says it's the goodness of God that draws man to repentance. How else does the Holy Spirit help us? Have you... uh, he, Holy Spirit warns us. Have you ever run into someone who gives you the uh, what do they call it? The heebie-jeebies. Something something just isn't right, and there's alarm bells going off inside your head. Uh, the voice inside goes, "Kate, okay, back back away. Uh, maybe don't don't have anything to do with this person. Uh, they're talking about the things of God that just aren't true, or they're really soft on sinful practices." You know, as I'm talking to them, I feel that my faith is being weakened. Most times, this is the Holy Spirit trying to protect you. He's trying to stop you from getting entangled in something physically or spiritually wrong. It may be even Him trying to keep you from the possibility of an emergency or an accident. And again, He does this for unbelievers too, trying to draw them to Him. How else does the Holy Spirit help us? The Holy Spirit bears witness to the truth. In John 15.26 Let me just read this aloud for you. Is it stuck to there? No. John 15.26 But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the mouth of the Father, he will testify of me. So, the Holy Spirit bears witness to the truth. Because, Je- because Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, anyone calling themselves a representative of the true God, of whatever His names have taken place in the Bible, of Jehovah, Yahweh, Adonai, uh, Mashiach, uh, whatever. Okay, Anything or any person which uh, is a true representative or uh, of him, of Jesus, of uh, the Holy Spirit, will point you towards Jesus as the God of the universe. If this Holy Spirit is present in words or actions, you will be pointed towards Jesus as God, as the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of the universe, without beginning and end, the Holy Spirit will bear witness through true, believers, true things. He will point to Jesus being the only way to receive righteousness, to stand before the Father one day and enter heaven into eternity. Has anyone seen those videos on YouTube where a guy walks up to my, with a microphone to somebody and says, tell me what you think about Jesus? Has anybody seen those? It's usually, there's a lot of guys or, or girls that are like this. They say, uh, yes, Jesus was good, yes. Yes, Jesus was kind. Uh, yeah he was a friend of sinners and that's good because I'm a sinner <laughs> you know yes he he hated religion, he hated the establishment man or uh, yes, he was crucified okay but contrary to what popular secular belief about who Jesus was, the Holy Spirit will point out unashamedly, proudly, happily that Jesus is not only good and notice I said is. But he is holy. Jesus is not only kind; he is full of love and mercy. He is not only a friend of sinners, but he offers sinners new life. Yes, he hated religion; he hated the establishment. But it was a religion without personal relationship with him. Yes, he was crucified, but he rose from the grave, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father in Majesty and adoration. The witness of the Holy Spirit: if the Holy Spirit is in anyone's words or actions you will find yourselves pointed towards Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord of all, the King of kings, not just some positive role model who got killed by angry Jews and Romans 2,000 years ago because of his politics. John 16, 7-8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And if I do not go away, the help will not come to you, But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and and of righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Spirit was sent to fill the gap of Jesus going away to the Father. The world was never the same after the resurrection of Jesus. The kingdom of darkness never recovered, believe it or not. Some passages in the New Testament describe heathen governments describing the world as being tipped upside down because of the preaching of the gospel by some of the apostles. If Jesus would have left us without a helper, the, help, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Fire, the zeal, the miraculous, would not have been present to act out the power of God. The Holy Spirit is and was the power behind all such things that changed lives for the better and tipped the world on its head. And since he is now here in true believers, he will act, as the conscience of the biblically-minded Jesus followers and convince the world that they are caught in and chained to sin. Since the Holy Spirit is here, now He will point the way to becoming whole again, to becoming right with God. Since the Holy Spirit is here, He will now warn others of the judgment to them if they continue to live sinful, selfish, godless lives apart from Him. How does He do this? How does the Holy Spirit do this? Okay, how does He help us with this? He does it through us. Okay? Whom He now lives in. This is how we find power to point out to the world it is living in wickedness, in wickedness while simultaneously identifying Jesus as the solution to the disease of sin of this, in the this scoffing world. This is how with humility we warn unbelievers of the coming judgment of God. A God who is, loving, who is as loving as possible but but is also on the other side of the coin an executor of wrath on those who reject his crucified son and has put his his children to death century after century. This is serious stuff. Is anyone out there understanding how the Holy Spirit is our helper? How he helps us in this life? it starting to come together? So, describing all the Holy Spirit does to us would not be complete without talking how he convicts us of our wrongdoings. What I do not want to do is present a lopsided picture of a loving God either as a heavy-handed disciplinarian or a nonchalant, hyper-grace kind of Savior, a universalistic, do-what-you-want kind of God. He's neither. The Holy Spirit is balanced perfectly in His love and in His judgment. And He's never going to exact discipline, uh, which is really there to sting us so we don't go feeding on spiritual garbage forever. He's never going to exact discipline without convicting us of our sin first. The Bible calls God long-suffering. Okay? He's not, and He's not wishing to dole out discipline on anyone unless totally necessary, but He does it for no other reason than to draw that person back into right relationship with Him. This is why the Holy Spirit convicts us. Not to beat us, but to restore us. But you need to be able to identify what conviction is compared to condemnation if you are to see the Holy Spirit as helping us overcome sin. Uh, I don't know what each person's struggle is. Some of us are op- more open than others. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I don't know what, you, I know what mine are. Okay, And they're, they're glaring. Um, I don't know what your Achilles heel is. But whatever it is, would be completely out of control of your life if it wasn't that the Holy Spirit did not convict you uh, when you try to toy around with that fire. It would be out of control. The Holy Spirit convicts you out of love, bothers your conscience, causes you to be pestered by what you have done wrong, hounds you until you repent. If you're walking with Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not walking with Jesus, chances are, your consciousness not bug you like it should when you do something wrong. Now, sometimes us Christ followers, those who have the Holy Spirit inside us, helping us get convicted of things, say like uh, cheering for the Green Bay Packers. Okay, horrible, horrible, uh, ghastly sin. Okay, horrible. I'm sure Pastor John will hear this later on, throw a rock at me. But nonetheless, hopefully. Hopefully, if you do that, uh, you ask for forgiveness. Uh, you start cheering for a good team like the Cowboys. Amen. 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 Preach you, brother. And you think, uh, and you, think uh, you know, once you repent, start cheering for the Cowboys, you think that, that sin is done forever. But, you, but, 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 you lie awake at night. This is how it usually goes. You ask forgiveness for a sin. You lie awake at night. Uh, maybe still convicted about your uh, Reggie White jersey, you know, still in the closet, so you get up and burn it, you know, and then the next day you're still convicted, and then the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and so on, and so far, it's been two weeks, and it's still bothering you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to do? Nothing gives, you carry uh, the guilt like a sack of potatoes in your back, and obviously you come to the conclusion the Holy Spirit is not helping me, okay, maybe you uh, maybe you need to stop watching. Uh, Football and switch to ice dancing or something, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures, right? Uh, But nonetheless, what you have here, folks, is not that the Holy Spirit is not present. It's you just have a case of mistaken identity. Okay, What do I mean by that? Speak speak English. You believe that this conviction from the Holy Spirit, this is conviction from the Holy Spirit. But the truth of the situation is that the Holy Spirit convicted you before the first time you went to him. When you were meaningfully sorry or repentant about your sin. He came to you. He convicted you. You responded meaningfully. Okay? That's it. It's done. It's finished. That's theology. That's the Bible. Okay? It was done there if you meant it. Finished. God says he's dropped it into a sea of forgetfulness. So He doesn't ever bring it up again once it's been forgiven. But the next morning... Devil came a knocking Hey, buddy, this is uh, this is the Holy Spirit here. Lie, 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 lie. That uh, was a big sin there. Uh, those kind don't disappear without some serious time groveling. Uh, maybe some self-punishing would pay the bill. Uh, let's talk. Uh, you know, say a day or two uh, after you've done some self-loathing kind of deal. That right there is what we call we term. Condemnation. The difference between condemnation and conviction is this: condemnation kills. End of story. Kills. That's it. It doesn't ever ho- offer hope of restoration or forgiveness. It just keeps riding you, uh, riding your back until your underpants fossilize. It, it's it's it just keep going and going and going. You know. And thoughts like this come about. Apparently, that's the way I'm built. And there's no way out. That's you know. Kind of deal. Anybody experience that? Liars. Liars. I do. All the time. If the devil can get you with condemnation, you'll 99 times out of 100 go visit that sin again and again and again and again. The Holy Spirit's conviction identifies your sin, the ugliness of it, and then offers hope of deliverance and restoration. God crouches down beside you, Okay, so here's what most people think. God comes on your back with a stick, bad boy, whack, whack, whack. But here's what really happens. Okay? The Holy Spirit, okay, okay, he kneels down beside you in your turmoil, places a hand on your back. This is the character of God, the character of the Holy Spirit, and says this, okay? That's finished. Because of the cross. Okay? I paid for that. Let me help you make a better choice next time. If you don't believe that, then you don't believe what Jesus did on the cross was strong enough. We need something stronger. Is there anything stronger out there? And God himself coming and dying for our sins? No. No. Now I want to finish up uh, talking about fire. The Holy Spirit helps fire things up in your Christian walk. Okay, I'm not talking earthly fire, but I'm talking... Godly fire. So Acts uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Acts. Acts two, one to four. Want you to read it for yourself here. What the page is gone, pages gone. I'll start here. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, there were all they were all there with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven, a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were at sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the disciples were in the upper room and the coming Holy Spirit arrived, as I just read, it was not quiet. It was not reserved. The disciples were not a bunch of distinguished men. It was somewhat ruddy. But all that were there that day were consumed by a holy fire. The Holy Spirit fire consumed them. I want to put it like I said before, topped up their faith buckets to bursting, overflowing into the streets that day. The result was euphoria, joy, victory, and souls being added to the heavenly roster day after day after that. Everyone who was filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit became a world changer. When I think of when I was first saved, my uh, exuberance for Jesus was just monstrous. I mean, everything was Jesus, Jesus is Jesus that, Jesus Jesus. You know, uh, can I pray for you? Uh, uh, Do you know Jesus? Will you pray for me? Uh, You're sick. Everybody, everybody gather around. Everybody gather This is is in the shopping mall or something like that. Gather around. around. We're going to pray for Sue, Juan, Tom. You know, uh, it it was a fire that I had that fueled me uh, to think of the kingdom first, day after day, from then on, for years. The fire of the Holy Spirit had consumed me at salvation. But after a while, a few apparently Older, wiser, more experienced, uh, starched suit Christians told me they were they, that uh, they too were like that one day when they were young, uh, when they first experienced Jesus, and, and that uh, in time I'd become a more balanced uh, Christian, you know, uh, and get rid of that kind of immaturity, and, and I'll just quiet down a bit, and, and and of course, you know, like it always does, life hit. You know, and problems, and I quieted down, and some sins started to creep in and beset me, and 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 of course the devil got me with condemnation repeatedly, day after day after day. I calmed down into a more acceptable and less immature, volatile Christian. Okay, and it and it uh, it became boring. It was horribly boring, not what it was meant to be at all. Uh, and all the things I had attributed, attributed to the Holy Spirit in my life faded. And I became uh, I became a Christmas cake doorstop. You have Christmas cake down here? The fruit cakes at Christmas time? Maybe not. Maybe they don't have it. Up in Canada they have Christmas cakes and they're basically uh, two elements from, from wood. And it's it's a gift you give somebody at Christmas time and everybody smiles and thanks and fires it out the back door. They use it as a doorstop. They're so heavily and dense, right? So I became a Christmas cake doorstop just there in the church, uh, just taking up space, no excitement. Without a doubt, I'm sure the Holy Spirit grieved for what I had become. Uh, After all he had done and and, uh, all I had experienced. And after all, he still offered. So I'm saying this. Folks, don't go without his fire, okay? Don't go without it in your life. Don't do it. I have yet to have someone who has experienced being filled with the Holy Spirit say that Christianity is boring. Um, If honestly, it honestly brings new life to your bones. Power to your faith in Jesus. Like I said before, I know there's a lot of kooks out there. There are a lot of kooks out there and everyone is filled with the Spirit and, and they live, drive Maseratis and have... You know, monster churches and, and, and lots of money and all. There's lots of kooks out there. But that does not negate the fact that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you to the brim, full of power to do great works for the kingdom of God. That is scriptural. If you think I'm lying or adding a spin onto it, get your butts in your Bible and, and, and prove me wrong. Okay? Um, I encourage you. I encourage you. The last thing I'm going to say here. I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up to the brim. You can do it here today. If you want people to pray for you? Uh, we can do that. Uh, you can do it at home. Okay, if you're if you're being honest with God, you can do it at home alone. There's no formula to asking for the Spirit to fill you. Just do it. Just do it. You need hope? Be filled with the Spirit. You need joy? Be filled with the Spirit. Uh, Be filled with this fire. You need to get through tough circumstances, be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Anything, if anything, you get out of this today, I encourage you to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit.